it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. We're broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up to bring you a big Thursday edition of some top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. They have lost their minds in the White House, and nobody knows what they're doing. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. We're going to discuss it. It's a busy day. Andy Biggs is going to be here from the Fighting Fifth Congressional District of Arizona. Comedian Aaron Berg, one of my running buddies from here in the city, uh, is going to be stopping by as well. And of course, your finance, always welcome at 888-788-9910. You know the rules. They're very straightforward on this show. It's a very, it's a simple club. It's a simple offense. You know, like when Army used to play Navy like 100 years ago and they didn't even pass. They just ran it between the tackles. Three yards in a cloud of dust. Woody Hayes football. That's what I'm talking about. We run it between the tackles. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a It's the only rule of the show. Uh, 888-788-9910, that phone number, if you do want a piece of this action. Uh, if you watched Tucker last night, by the way, wow, that was a blast. Uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in. It is on the Fox Across America Facebook page. Uh, we will also be posting a copy of my stand-up set from Gutfeld later in the day. And I did just get off the television with the great Harris Faulkner on the Faulkner Focus. We will post that as well. And if that's not enough, Jimmy Fallavision for you. Because I understand, I promote the hell out of my TV because it's empowering. If you see me on TV, you're like, wow, this guy could get on TV. Anybody could get on TV. I agree with that. That's part of the message of this show is empowerment. I come from nothing. I went to community college and majored in intro to Xbox, spent most of my adult life driving a taxi, although the woman who lives with me would argue that I've never actually had an adult life per se. Uh, been to a few adult clubs. If we're going to be honest, they've got a, a lot of them all over here in Midtown. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, yes, tomorrow, if you want some more television, if you want some more visual empowerment, I will be back on America's Newsroom for the second time this week, and I will be holding down the center seat on Outnumbered tomorrow with uh, Emily and Kaylee and Harris and the whole Barnyard Jamboree. So give it a go if you have time, because, again, I am there because of you, you, the shareholder who tunes into the show every day, who has created a demand for my mediocrity. Okay, you're powering this thing. Okay, and thank you. Uh, you're the only affordable form of fuel in the country right now. <laughs> it's not gasoline. Like I was saying on Tucker last night, the only upside to the Biden presidency is that arson is down like 83% because nobody can afford to burn down your house at 5.15 a gallon. Biden sucks. I mean, really, if someone comes to your house and burns it down because they're mad at you, you kind of earned it. Like, I'm not going to lie. If they're burning down the house at 5.75 for the 93 I paid this morning in my Bronco, I- I'm telling you, you played a hand in this. That's true. That is true. Okay, but right now we're discussing the burning down of our country uh, and, of course, the rising prices of gas. And I just want you to understand the reason I focus on this so much for two reasons. I selfishly focus on it because I am so intrinsically linked to the effect this has on people. I drove a cab for 10 years in my life, and the cost of fuel was absolutely the driving force in how much you took home at the end of the day. You didn't make a lot of money, 
Do you understand at these prices? I never drove when prices were this high. I've seen $4 gas before. Uh, under Obama, you know, it was it was technically in the transition from McCain to Obama that gas was, you know, a little bit over four dollars a gallon. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is that was crippling. That was crippling to me and Jenny and a very young Lincoln Fela. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine as a cab driver pulling up to the pump in this day and age and seeing something like five thirty five a gallon. <laughs> And you understand that you're paying for that gas in multiple ways. And what I mean by that is, yes, you're paying another $2 a gallon compared to where we were under Trump when we were energy independent. But you're also paying that cost when you go to the store. Bingo. Those rising fuel costs are driving the cost of goods. Okay, those rising fuel costs, which were going on for 14 months before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. Tell them like it is. Okay, so you understand when Biden says, oh, it's Putin's price hike. The indifference they're showing by focusing all of their attention on who to blame instead of how to help, it really is infuriating because you understand real people are suffering and they really don't care. Like there's in Washington, D.C., I I just you need to understand this. I've spent a minimal amount of time there, but I interview people who work there all the time. They are in the they business. Okay, I'm in the you business. I'm in the me business. I'm in the regular people business. And the God's honest truth is regular people are getting smoked right now. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Okay, California now averaging, now averaging above $6 a gallon. Okay, that's the highest in the country. You've got a a spokesperson for 76. Do you know that chain of gas stations? They're out in Washington State. A a spokesperson for 76 says they are reprogramming their pumps So they'll know how to process $10 a gallon. Let's go, Brandon. (laughs) Seriously. You know, the guy, the only guy who has benefited from the Biden presidency is the guy who made those I did that stickers that we used to put on gas pumps. You know, it was a picture of Biden pointing to the rising cost of gas. Hey, I did that. And it was a way to make fun of Biden. That guy's loaded. Because you can now put those stickers in every area of American life. Ah, there's no baby food on the shelves. I did that. Ah, the food that is on the shelves costs double of what it used to. I did that. Hey, the murder rate's up 32%. Put an I did that sticker near the chalk outline. I'm not calling him a killer, but I'm calling him someone who has been indifferent to the suffering of everyday Americans. The way this process plays out is it's not a problem till they finally admit it is a problem. And then they tell you it won't be here for long. But then when it's here for long, they say it's Trump's fault. It's MAGA's fault. You guys don't understand this MAGA stuff. It's bad. Come on, man. I mean, what a jackass. Okay, let me give you this. Because at a time when people are getting, yo, people are getting smoked. Like, you, I hope you understand this. If you're someone who is well off enough that you're like, yeah, these prices suck, but your quality of life really hasn't been compromised. You're just paying more. It's just a statement of fact. Okay, I hope you can stop and, and, and reserve some empathy for most people. 65% of this country is living paycheck to paycheck, which means 65% of this country is getting annihilated under this president. Annihilated. And the fact that we're not prioritizing these things Okay, these things that affect everything else around them, that destroy the periphery of this country. When the economy goes downhill, do you understand there's a direct correlation between high rates of violent crime and low rates of economic opportunity? 
So why are we in the bad position when with crime all over the place? Because no jobs in some instances. We've got two scenarios when it comes to the economy. We've either got employers who can't hire anybody because they made, you know, the enhanced unemployment benefits so good people didn't want to work and it made more money to stay home than it did to go to work. That went on for a while. And now we've just got this other reality, okay, that there are people out there that can get jobs, okay, but their jobs can't compete with the rising cost of inflation. Every time Biden says, oh, you know, wages rose by 5.5% under Biden, woo, that's great. But inflation's up 8.5%. So you know what that means? That means you lost money no matter what part of that 5% raise that they happened to give you. Bingo. Okay? But they're indifferent to that suffering. Okay? What did they do last week? The Department of the Interior. They canceled. They canceled oil and gas leases for over a million acres of drilling out in Alaska. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But you understand... Okay, you've also got Biden yelling and screaming about, you know, well, um, I'm doing all I can. I've uh, I've uh, I've I've taken a million barrels a day from the strategic oil reserves. You got to do better than that. Yo, since this started happening, since Biden started pulling uh, oil out of the strategic oil reserves. okay, the price of gas. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? The price of gas has gone up because it's doing nothing to address the real issue. Okay, the real issue is one of production in this company, uh, in this country, not in Venezuela, not importing it from the other side of the world, the Middle East or Russia for a time there as we were doing. Okay, because you understand the whole ruse, the whole ruse was we were declaring war on fossil fuels because we were going to make the planet planet uh, cleaner. That's what we were doing over here. That is a fact check false. Yo, we produce fuel in this country. It is 42% cleaner than anybody we buy it from, 42% cleaner. So do you understand when we stop producing it here because we're looking to clean up the environment, but we export the work to somebody else, we outsource it like with a mafia. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm going to cut a check. I'll have somebody do that little thing we talked about down in Venezuela. So they go down, they produce the fuel, and it's far filthier than how we're producing it. So do you understand the net effect is we're making the world more filthier by trying to pre, uh, placate the environmentalists on the woke left. They're crazy. Not only are they crazy, but they're stupid. Do you understand? That's stupid. And even as it pertains to, oh, you know, reducing emissions and everything in between, China and India are the two biggest polluters in the world by a margin of 10. We're, you know, trying to get into this non-binding Paris climate change agreement that does not commit them to curbing emissions. Yo, we all share the planet. So if we're going to cut emissions, but the rest of the world isn't, we've just created a no peeing section in the pool. Yes, meaning in a roundabout way when it comes to the environment, we're all getting peed on. <laughs> what the hell did you just say? All right, I'm going to stop this before it turns into an R. Kelly documentary. But you got to understand, okay, when it comes to the White House, the effort being made, oh, it's Putin's price hike. Oh, you know, MAGA. Oh, the MAGA king. Yo, that's not helping people in this moment. Like yelling that everyone's racist isn't helping people. You know, yelling that we've got a situation here. Okay, we've got this situation where the Republicans are white supremacist, radical extremism in our country, and that we should all be focusing on that. You need to understand 
That's not because they're concerned about you. That's because they're concerned about them. You're not getting out of bed this morning, no matter what color you are, going, this whole society is a white supremacist society. They're out to get me. Dude, that's just a, it's, it's absurdly untrue. There's nowhere in America where you can be openly racist and hold on to your job. We're not a white supremacist society. You can't go to a job interview literally anywhere. Okay, if you want to deliver pizza, you can't show up and be like, I don't like these people. You're not getting the job. Okay, Domino's doesn't want you to go viral online in the wrong way. Now they get in trouble. And I know I'm just randomly saying Domino's, so don't hold that against them because Domino's, pound for pound in the Fela House, they are part of the greatest ritual of the summer every year in the Fela House. Lincoln Fela uh, likes to. Uh, on random summer nights, on like Friday night when I get home late from Fox, he likes to dress up in bizarre outfits and order pizza just so when the guy comes to the door, he's in like a wolf mask and I'm in like a cowboy hat with no shirt on and my gut hanging out. And it's really funny. And Jenny goes in the backyard and cries because she's so embarrassed. But it's really funny in our house. So Domino's, if you're out there, we love you. We love every pizza delivery guy. Even the ones in the dirty movies that Mikey watches in the booth while I'm doing the show. But the point is, okay... There's no job. There's no place where we're okay with white supremacy. I'm not saying if there's three psychos in a shed, uh, we shouldn't be concerned. We shouldn't hold, you know, hold them accountable. We shouldn't do everything we can to rid society of that scourge. But I'm telling you the things they want to talk about are a distraction from the things they're doing wrong. That's the issue we have in this moment, okay, is you've got a president who is looking at the midterms, He's looking at the poll numbers. You know, he's looking at things like, well, are they going to want to campaign with me in Ohio? Is, you know, guys like Tim Ryan want me on the campaign trail? The answer would be no. Of course not, because the guy is an embarrassment. I said this to Harris Faulkner, okay? Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are better at being a couple than Joe Biden is of being a president, okay? He's the worst president we've ever seen, okay? And he's not getting better anytime soon. Because he doesn't need to be. In his worldview, they're so tone deaf, okay, with the plight of the American people, okay, that they don't actually think they're doing a bad job. They're like, oh, well, the poll numbers. You know, it's the Republicans. The Republicans don't like me. They say things, so the poll numbers low. Poll numbers come and go. Yo, these polls have only gone one way. They have only gone one way since August of last year, and that is straight down to the bottom. On the plus side for Biden, one thing has gone up, and that's the price of gas, which, again, is a subtraction for the rest of us. Bought some gas at the station near me. 20 gallons at 4.50. I'm going to be homeless. The price is obscene. And they won't let Biden intervene. Baby, I can't fill my car. Guess I'm going to walk real far. Baby, I can't fill my car. And baby, I'm so screwed. I told the girl that the prices ain't good. And she said, baby, my neighborhood. They sell a gallon at four eighty nine. So I will hitchhike again this time Baby, I can't fill my car Guess I'm gonna walk real far Baby, I can't fill my car And baby, I'm so screwed Not cheap, 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 no
You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. My guess is we'll see it come down, continue to come down. Um, But how far down, I don't think anyone can tell. There's going to be a slight delay because... If you go out there and you're a gas station and you purchase X amount of gas at a certain price, you're not going to lower the price of the pump until you're able to get back what you invested. And that I'm talking matter of, I think, you know, days and weeks. But it's hard to tell. And the other thing is, exactly, but it will come down. And it could come down fairly significantly. It could come down the better part of, you know, anything from 10 cents to 35 cents a gallon. Since that speech was given to the American people on March the 31st, since March the 31st, prices across the board on average about 12 cents higher. And understand, in cutting into the strategic oil reserves, they're not there when gas gets expensive and poll numbers get impacted. They're there in case something debilitating happens to our production capabilities in an act of war through an act of mother nature. Excuse me an active birthing person nature. I don't get myself fired here. But here is Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, who's awful at her job, talking to Peter Ducey about gas prices and has nothing uh, for anybody in the form of a good answer. It's clip four. Americans are now spending $5,000 a year on gasoline. That's almost double what they did a year ago. Where are people supposed to go to get all that extra cash? To get the extra cash to pay for gas? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we've been very clear about is to do everything in our power uh, to make sure uh, that we lower cost. Uh, you know, it is important. We see it. The president understands what the American people is, are, is going through. Uh, and that's why uh, we're doing everything that we can. We've made uh, multiple announcements in the past uh, several several months of what we're doing, whether it's the strategic uh, petroleum reserve, whether it's the ethanol 15, to make sure that, uh, that, uh, that the American people are not feeling Putin's uh, price hike. You don't have a clue. No clue at all. Did that make you feel like things are better? She worked in the old hashtag Putin's price hike because, you know, that's going to help. Shut up, fool. She's terrible. Absolutely patently terrible at her job because, again, what was the issue? We're doing everything we can to help. God, I never thought I'd say it, but she really has found a way to make me miss Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. It's the children's classic that's making movies great again. Donald Trump stars in The Mega King. 
Hello, everyone. The king has returned. The president of the United States is completely nuts. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. You don't even know who you are. And only one man can save us now. The great MAGA king. Can the king help Joe Biden find his marbles, or will he lose his way against the Russian kleptocracy? Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy and club, the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> Lie down before you hurt yourself. The Mega King, starring Donald Trump. I'm really rich. And Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Now playing in Mexico, Japan, China. I love China. And coming soon to Puerto Rico. We love Puerto Rico. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're having a grown-up talk, a big boy, big girl, big they, big them chit-chat about issues facing our country. That's what we do, Fox Across America. It's like America's family meeting, and I'm the deadbeat dad who kind of leads the conversation. You know, from time to time, instead of talking about the border, I have to come by and tell you that we don't have dinner tonight because daddy bet it all on the New York Jets. Uh, That happens on this show. It's real life. That's what goes on here. Uh, We're not spreading disinformation. We're just trying to have an honest conversation. I'm not an activist. If you're listening for the first time, my job isn't to get you to vote for one party or another. I don't care. The whole point of America, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We can all be free-range chickens, uh, but we have to pull for the same American team at the end of the day. You can be on the Democratic team. That's like the National League and the Republicans or the American League, whichever way you want to brand this thing. But the point is, in the World Series, we're all on Team America, okay? And right now, Team America is a hot mess. I admire your honesty. I mean, we're a fixer-upper right now. I mean, we're one of those, we're one of those teams that has talent in the locker room, uh, but we're desperately, desperately in need of a coaching change right now, if you're being honest. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, one of the desperate things the White House did a few weeks back, if you remember, was launch a disinformation board. Oh, we've got a disinformation board. We've got a problem in this country with disinformation. So, uh, you know, we've got to stop it from spreading. Now, if you're going to be honest, if you really wanted to stop disinformation from spreading, you never let a Democrat in front of a microphone again. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Because the woman who headed up the disinformation board, Nina Jankowitz, remember that singing maniac who sang the Mary Poppins song? <laughs> Did you see that one? <laughs> when she was, she was out there singing uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious to the uh, disinformation rhyme that she wrote. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. Tell her, Kevin Meany, because she did. She looked like a crazy person. The only thing worse than a sociopath is a sociopath with an interest in musical theater. Kat Timp was saying that the other night on Gutfeld, and I I was screaming laughing because she's a psycho. And she was at the forefront of some of the biggest disinformation movements out there. She told you Hunter Biden's laptop was fake, turned out to be real. She told you Russian collusion was real, turned out to be fake. She lied every way imaginable about the vaccine and its ability Okay, to let people who get vaccinated spread COVID, get and spread COVID. No, no, we need a disinformation board because we got people out there on Twitter saying that vaccinated people get COVID. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a quarantine because all the vaccinated people at the White House have COVID. I'll be right back to fight disinformation. You know, she's out there like these other yahoos, 
telling you that there's no biological difference between men and women. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. So she led the league. Like, if this was a fantasy football draft, okay, and you're getting points for disinformation, like, Nina Jankowitz is going high. Like, you're drafting her ahead of Patrick Mahomes, okay? She was leading the league in disinformation. But here she is, okay, doing a postmortem on MSNBC of all places, okay, and talking about what? That this was, it was never supposed to curb free speech. No, that's not what we were doing. Of course it's what they're doing. Because in the democratic worldview, disinformation is anything, anything that doesn't look good for them. Correct the mundo. That's how they got rid of the Hunter Biden story. That's what they do. So when they're looking for a disinformation board, the reason everybody was so outraged, so apoplectic, is they realized this was a democratic way to avoid engagement on the issues. Yeah, we don't have conversations. You know, when they say America needs to have a conversation, when a Democrat says that, they mean shut up and listen. I'm talking. If you disagree with me, you're a racist. That's how America has the conversation works. America has to have a conversation. And they say something and you go, I disagree. And they're like, well, your wife's a hoe. And you're like, maybe she is. What does that have to do with this? This is crazy. The rent don't pay itself. You know what I'm saying, Jenny Fela? But she was the one spreading the misinformation. And now she wants you to believe, oh, no, we weren't out there to curb speech. Here it is, clip 11. I fully understand Americans' concerns that they don't want government involved in policing speech. And good news, this initiative wasn't involved in policing speech and neither was I. Um, I think, you know, it is important that our government get involved when we have real threats to our national security. So it's not just uh, things like election interference, which we've seen and which DHS has combated also, but uh, threats at the border, disinformation that is driving people to migrate here, disinformation that could affect criminal infrastructure, like our financial systems and gas pipelines, all of that has very real effects for the safety of Americans. And frankly, I think DHS and other federal agencies need to be involved because this problem isn't going away. It's only getting worse. Get her out. Get her out of here. I mean, get her out of here. Okay. If the White House, if the White House thought this was something they could stand behind, it would still be a thing. I agree with that. Okay. They looked at the internal polling and were like, wow, we do look like a bunch of psychopaths. Because this was started, you understand, as a response to Twitter changing hands. Twitter was how the Democrats actually pulled off election interference. Understand, in the 2020 election, Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won because the social media big tech oligarchs buried the Hunter Biden story. Hunter's a dirtbag. Okay, but think about that. When you see polling that tells you 15 percent of Biden voters would have changed their vote if they knew the Hunter Biden story and the full extent of corroborating evidence and human living, breathing business partners that said there was a 10 percent kickback going to his dad. Are you the big man, Joe? Hunter's business partners said he was. Okay, but they buried the story. They interfered in the election. They said, you can't discuss this. You can't tweet it. You can't Facebook it. Any newspaper that wants to publish it, banned. Can't do it. The New York Post is blocked. And if you want to know why, why don't you go check out the New York Times and the Washington Post because they'll tell you it's Russian disinformation, you know, until a few weeks after the election when they're like, well, actually, it turned out to be true. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You understand, they constituted a game-changing election interference move in 2020. There's, you can't talk me out of that. So everybody's yelling like, oh, you got to watch 2,000 Mules, the Dinesh D'Souza doc. I don't care. I don't need to watch anything to know what went on. They interfered. That alone. I don't get people stuffing ballots. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't have the proof. 
But what I do have the proof of is that they intentionally interfered. They didn't get the Russian disinformation thing wrong. Okay, wrong would imply they did their best to get it right and they came up short. Okay, that's not what happened. They created a narrative with the help from the same intelligence community that told us Trump was definitively a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. Oh, no, it's like an Austin Powers movie. Dr. Evil has a remote control right in the Oval Office. It's wired into the Resolute Desk. He's controlling the president's motions. I'm telling you, we're in bad shape here. Those people who got on TV every day, John Brennan, uh, you, know, James, you know, James Clapper, you know, guys who said every day, Adam Schiff. Oh, no, there's collusion as far as the eye can see. I've never seen so much collusion. It's crazy. It's all over me. Give me a brush. i got to get it off. There's just collusion everywhere. It's like we're going to a foam party in the 90s. Okay, but when they were behind closed doors and they were facing the threat of legal perjury and they were asked, hey, man, have you guys seen any collusion? Yo, there was no collusion, and they knew there was no collusion. When it came to the Mueller probe, that's the ultimate form of disinformation. The process was the punishment. Okay, they knew if you're following the Durham probe and the revelations against this dirtbag lawyer that worked for the Clintons, they knew from word one that there was no interaction between Trump and Mueller. But they greenlit this thing, hoping that they could get him in a death by a thousand cuts scenario to commit an unforced error, fire Robert Mueller, and create the perception that there was a there there. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Okay, because if they fires Mueller, they go, see, the walls were closing in. All these anonymously sourced bombshells. Okay, they're all true. <laughs> Every one of them was wrong. Every one of them. And they knew they were wrong in real time. The goal of the Mueller probe was not to find collusion. The goal of the Mueller probe, if we're being very honest, is to find a new president. They were trying to muscle him out. That was a soft coup. And it was done with what? disinformation the very thing the democrats who spread that disinformation want you to believe they're on the side of fighting come on don't bullshit me all right here is more nina jankowitz because she talks about you know i got death threats listen i don't want anyone getting death threats anyone but do you know how many times i've had to contact fox security literally seconds after i get off the air because someone has texted my phone from my own phone number to tell me the world's going to end and they're going to blow me up and all my friends so far it's happened about 17 times okay i'm not downplaying the significance and i don't want anybody to experience this sort of thing okay but saying you got death threats in the digital age and again i want no harm to this woman or anyone out there certainly no harm to myself i got enough problems without one of you coming to kick my ass but the truth is, okay, I always laugh at death threats. It's like I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to trivialize it, okay, but I will for a second because this is how a lot of us cope with heavy news. Uh, you know, time was when someone wanted to, you know, make you a death threat. They had to, like, go through the trouble of calling you from a payphone or piecing together a bunch of letters from different magazines and then mailing them to you in a note. Now you can, like, threaten me on a toilet. Like, it, it doesn't mean as much. Even if you want to kill me, which I don't want you to want to kill me, I want to kill myself half the time. Do you see my outfits? They're embarrassing. But, like, the truth is, it's just everybody implies death threats to be like, oh, I guess we should just be on your side then. No, no, no. A couple of crazy people saying bad things about you should not be accepted in our society. It should not be tolerated. But you understand they invoke this because they think it gives them the moral high ground. Okay? Three maniacs, ten maniacs, 5,000 maniacs. If they're out there telling Nina Jankowitz, we're coming to get you, and I don't want them to, and they shouldn't, and they should be stopped immediately. Okay? But that still doesn't change the fact 
that she was the one spreading the misinformation. That still doesn't change the fact that when they say they're fighting misinformation, it's their way of spreading it. But here she is talking about the threats, clip 13. It was really overwhelming, Chris. I mean, frankly, you know, I have prided myself over my career of being a really nuanced, uh, reasonable person. Again, as I said, I've I've briefed and advised both Republicans and Democrats. I admire some of the steps that the Trump administration even took to combat disinformation, including Senator Rob Portman and his bills against deep fakes and, you know, funding the Global Engagement Center at the State Department. So to say that I'm just a partisan actor was, was wildly out of context. And then beyond that, it wasn't just, you know, these mischaracterizations of of my work, but it was death threats against my family. Over the last three weeks, I have maybe had one or two days I didn't report a violent threat, something like, we're coming for you and your family. Now, listen, that's not acceptable, okay? It's not acceptable when you do it to me. It's not acceptable when you do it to her. It's not acceptable when you do it to anybody, okay? But that doesn't give her the moral high ground. That doesn't make the lies that she spread now true. That doesn't make the intent of the disinformation board differently. And if you really want to have an honest talk about why she's also praising Republicans in that moment, it's because she needs a job. Oh, wow. She's trying to sound as broadly acceptable as possible. Okay, but when you lip sync Mary Poppins songs about disinformation as a person who's spreading disinformation, okay, listen, I like a circus as much as the next guy, but there's no way you're hiring this woman on your show, on your business, on your campaign, unless you're facing a serious shortage of clowns. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Guys heading up to Utica. Friday, June the 3rd, Saturday, June the 4th at Fat Cats Comedy Club. They have made, we sold out the first four shows, just so you know, if you're listening on WIBX up in Utica or you're anywhere in the country. I've had people come to every one of these stand-up shows we've done from five states over. It's very flattering. It's very cool. Uh, But if you're coming from anywhere in the country, uh, those shows at Utica, they did add uh, a handful of seats to the 915 shows on Friday and Saturday. Uh, And they're adding a 5 p.m. matinee show on Saturday, June the 4th. Tickets for that at FatCatsWithAZComedyClub.com. You can hang out with me. We'll tell some jokes. Uh, We can have a drink at the bar. A drink. I got shows to do, you maniacs. We can have a drink. You're not pulling a Texas on me. Oh, my man Paul Anderson at KOAL out in Utah is like, yeah, I keep hearing these Texas stories. So, you know, you have to come out here and, like, drink like you're pledging a fraternity with me and my crazy wife, Ann. And, like, I love Paul and Ann Anderson. They're delightful people. But, yo, I'm a mess right now. I'm a, I'm a disaster. I sleep, like, two hours a week. It's all going great. But you guys have to stop trying to kill me, okay? That's all I ask. Uh, if you're listening on VMT up in Vermont, Friday night, June the 17th, we're going to be up there. Uh, they will announce the venue and location. Uh, very shortly. Uh, Kurt Wright will have that for you on the air if he hasn't mentioned it already. But we're coming up, and it's going to get nuts. So get your game face on if you're up in Vermont. And right now, buckle up, because the rest of this break, i got to tell you, man, what a mess. You know they say in sports you got to play the teams on the schedule. 
Well, every team on the schedule right now in talk radio is like the Detroit Pistons bad boys of the late 80s. A lot of Bill Lambeer hard fouls, a lot of Dennis Rodman biting your ear and weird stuff going on. Okay? Every fight is a dirty fight right now in sports, in radio. It just, it just is. Okay? And it's unfortunate. But we were talking about disinformation, so I wanted to share this for you because this is Amy R. Arambad. She was testifying on Capitol Hill yesterday. This is the Democratic Executive Director of Aval, Texas, who wants you to believe that men, that men can get pregnant. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Here it is, clip 16. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um... Do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. What would you do with a brain if you had one? <laughs> wait, wait. Men can get pregnant? Yes. You're not telling me the truth. Yo. Men can get pregnant and have abortions. <laughs> Yo, I'm not being transphobic when I say this. It is a statement of fact that men cannot get pregnant. As I was saying to Harris Faulkner a little bit earlier in the day, if men can get pregnant, I don't just realistically, where's the baby coming out of? I think he's got a point. <laughs> I mean, yo, I've had some friends and pals that have had to pass kidney stones. And the way it was described to me, uh, not pleasant. I cannot imagine, uh, you know, having passed the kidney stone, the idea of having to pass a baby. <laughs> But this is what the left has become. The reason people are fleeing this party. Again, I'm not recruiting to the Republican Party by saying this. I don't care how you vote. I'm a talk show host. If the whole society is hinging on me, yo, we're screwed. Okay? Move overseas. Go hang out. Go skiing in the Alps or so. Go hang out with drunk Linda in France that calls into the show. I don't care. I'm not here to save the country. I'm just trying to make your workday fun. That's my gig, okay? I'm the guy that makes your workday fun. There's no cape. Clark Kent doesn't have a change of clothes where he runs into the phone booth. For those of you under the age of 45, a phone booth was a thing where we put in change and made phone calls. But the point is the Democratic Party, they've lost their minds. He knows what he's talking about. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa. Whoa. You heard the man. It is a true story. The high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, pound-for-pound best radio host in the country. Who else is going to step up? I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. You don't want none of this. I'm a crazy person. I haven't slept since seventh grade. I'm so loopy right now. But it's a big hour. Andy Biggs from the Fighting Fifth Congressional District of Arizona, he is going to stop by for a grown-up talk about all things America. But one of the top-line thoughts... As the great Harris Faulkner always likes to say, the top line thoughts is that there is nobody, nobody in the Democratic Party right now that wants to compete uh, or excuse me, that wants to campaign with Joe Biden. We have a president that is clearly not all there. This is such a fascinating story that we're going to dive into because we're months away from the midterms and this is not common. Okay, I'll tell you what's common about the midterms really quickly. The incumbent president always loses seats. Always, 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 always. They always a pushback from the side that lost the general election. And throughout history, people uh, have always seen the incumbent lose seats. Not at the 
record rate that Barack Obama lost seats at when he was president. Don't be thick, all right? But I'm not lying. I mean, no president cost his party more seats down ballot over the course of eight years than Barack Obama. There are white folks, and then there are ignorant mother like you. That might be the case. But the point is, Obama, you know, you are what your record says you are. His record says he lost his party more seats than anybody in history. Joe Biden is in really good position to break that record. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. You have no idea. Okay, let's get into this because it's so fascinating. Okay, Karina Jean-Pierre is doing a press briefing yesterday. She's terrible, by the way. Just soap. Everything's word salad. She's Kamala Jean-Pierre. Every time she gets in front of a microphone, it's one non-answer after the other, you know, with the optimal hashtags thrown in. Putin's price hike, MAGA, white supremacy. Hey, Kareen, can we get a straight answer? The answer would be no. No, you're not going to get one. But she was asked, she was asked, and this is so fascinating to me, Kristen Welker over at NBC. She was asked about Biden's endorsement in the midterms and whether or not Biden has enough juice to actually get people out to vote. You know, there's been a lot made of Donald Trump's political endorsements. Uh, the people that have received them have, you know, over by overwhelmingly won their elections in a lot of cases. Now, Dr. Oz is eking it out. Madison Cawthorn's campaign is off to that great cocaine orgy in the sky. Uh, but Madison Cawthorn might have won his election if you could count the points on his driver's license. It's a totally different race if that's the case. But, uh, you know, with the exception of a few guys, Trump's endorsement has been overwhelmingly successful. And I want to be clear because a lot of times Trump endorses guys in races where they're running unopposed. And so when he says he went 75 and one on Tuesday night, OK, he's technically in some of those were uncontested. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Secretary- no, I'm telling you the truth. So it's it's a little padded. But there's no doubt about it, okay? The guys he has endorsed, you look at J.D. Vance as a good example of that, have seen double-digit gains in the polls. In instances in big, important Senate races like Ohio, where it actually decided the primary race in J.D. Vance's favor. And I mention Ohio, why? Because Tim Ryan, who is going to be running for Senate in Ohio, is a guy that, if you remember last week, I played you uh, a couple of bites on the show, where Tim... Tim Ryan was asked if he wanted to campaign with Joe Biden, and he was like, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, here's the thing. Uh, you know, uh, campaigning, it's funny. You know, you get the weather's good some days. Some days the weather's not as good. You know, some days you get a big crowd. Some days you get a bad crowd. I mean, I don't know. You know, and basically what he's saying is he doesn't want to campaign with Joe Biden. Nobody wants to campaign with Joe Biden. Um, but this is the God's honest truth, okay? It's not common. When I say, you know, it's common for a president to lose seats for his party, it's not common this early in a presidency for everybody to run for their lives when it comes to being associated with a president. This is unprecedented. No matter what they tell you out of this White House, no one has damaged a country quicker than Joe Biden has. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre talking about it. It's clip 10. Just to follow up, though, I mean, the, the question is, this: both of them had similar platforms, to your point. Yep. And yet, President Biden endorsed one of them, and that candidate is on track to lose. So are there concerns within the president, and I know you can't speak to the politics yep. of this, is the president concerned that not he doesn't have enough juice heading into these No, not at all, because, again, both candidates were running on a platform that supported, embraced uh, the, president's, uh, the president's agenda. 
<laughs> you were lying your ass off. <laughs> no. Both candidates were running on a platform that su- supported his agenda. In fact, they supported it so much, they asked him not to come. <laughs> Think about that. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. Yeah, again, the incumbent president, Trump, lost seats in the midterms. Again, didn't lose them at Obama's rate, but lost them. Okay. Bill Clinton lost a ton of seats in the midterms. Okay. Wasn't as bad as Obama. I'd say it was close, but no cigar. I believe that together we can make America great again. But the point is, every one of those guys that lost seats, George W. Bush lost seats, understand. Every one of those guys that lost seats, okay, they didn't do so much damage to the country that nobody wanted to campaign with them. Tim Ryan is running in the most consequential Senate race in the country. It's Ohio. It's a bellwether electoral state. Here is Tim Ryan being asked uh, about the idea of campaigning with Biden. Here's clip 33. Do you want President Biden to come out and campaign for you in Ohio? Hey, we'll we'll see. Uh, We'll see. But the reality (laughs) of it is I'm the face of this campaign. And there's so much political noise out there. I'm a unique candidate. I'm a unique kind of Democrat. I've taken on the Democratic Party. I've run against Nancy Pelosi. I've gotten fights with Bernie Sanders. And I've agreed with Trump on, you know, renegotiating NAFTA and being tough on China and General Mattis and Space Force. So I'm a pretty unique candidate. And I really want to be the face of this campaign. I don't, I don't want it obscured by the normal, you know, Washington, D.C. food fight, left, right, kind of red, blue stuff. Which was a really... Really fancy way of saying Biden sucks. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, I'm such an outlier. I'm such a unicorn. Yo, it's the president of the United States. It's supposed to be called the bully pulpit. And, you know, he's got the power of the presidency to throw it behind you. Folks, this is unfathomable in electoral politics. OK, for all of the controversies surrounding Donald Trump. Understand when he was at the midterm of his election. We were still running the Mueller probe. We were still pretending that he was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin, as opposed to where we are now, where we've got the whole country pretending, at least the media anyway, that Joe Biden is sane and coherent. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Okay, but Donald Trump at the height of the Mueller probe, at the height of the Mueller, the walls are closing in. Barron's going to testify against him. You don't understand how bad it is. They're all Russian. The whole family's Russian. It's bad. You don't understand. They're taking a perp walk out of the White House. You better tune in tonight to CNN. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Nope, they're not buying CNN Plus either. Uh, but the truth is, okay, Joe Biden is in actual uncharted waters in terms of being this big of a pariah this early in his presidency. People compare him to Jimmy Carter, but it took Jimmy Carter four years for you to be facing rationed fuel and rising inflation and stagflation and a lack of institutional confidence from the American people. Joe Biden is like playing with a cheat code. Like this is Contra. Did you play Nintendo back in the day? Like up, down, up, down, A, B, select. Biden got behind the Resolute desk, pulled out a Nintendo controller and just destroyed the country in his first life. It's insane. Okay, and I I make light of it as a coping mechanism. People are getting destroyed. Here's the rest of Tim Ryan. I mean, listen. This is Fred Astaire stuff. Like, the only thing missing from this comment is Ginger Rogers, because this is some of the fanciest tap dancing you're ever going to watch. Here's clip 34. 
I don't know. You know, it's a busy campaign. Not sure. Like, we'll see what happens. But the reality is I'm going to talk about the issues that are important to Ohio. It's not about the president. It's not about the Congress. It's not about the Republican Democrat thing. It's about what's best for Ohio. And <laughs> That's, and I, I mean, let's be Do you want to bring this guy out to the stump? Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. <laughs> no one, no one wants to campaign with that guy. Okay. The only person they're probably more turned off by is his vice president. If you call up someone right now and you're like, hey, you want to do an event with Kamala? No, God, no, God, please, no, no, no. <laughs> like, no. But here's Kamala with more of her word salad, too. And I'll tie this all up because that's what I do. I'm good at this. Here it is. Clip nine. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues to tackle these challenges and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> Did you hear that? If you went to Vegas and you bet the under, uh, excuse me, if you bet the over five and a half on her saying work together, you won. Well, the thing is, it's important that we work together on this because we're going to work together and everyone needs to know how committed we are to working together because the things we've learned from working together. At one point, she was going to sing Happy Together by the Turtles. Like the clip goes on another 30 seconds and she's like, I can't see me loving nobody but you. That's where it was going. I mean, she's out of her mind. But that's what we're dealing with in this, in this administration. They are pariahs in their own party. People don't want to be seen with them. Do you understand? You know, the time was if you worked for the president, if you worked for the vice president, yo, that looked good on your resume. Now people are like, yeah, do you, uh, you work for the Biden administration? They're like, no, no, I'm, uh, I recruit girls for Jeffrey Epstein. No, I, the Biden administration, that's embarrassing. No, what are you, no, what are you talking about? I'm a human trafficker for a drug cartel. I don't work for Biden. Come on, you're making me look bad. Okay, they're an embarrassment to the country. Okay, they, they are. And I'm not saying that. Again, I am not saying that as a Republican commentator. I'm saying that as a guy who cares about the quality of life in this country. It is so going downhill. The only thing left for this administration to do if they want to give back to the community is start finding creative ways to market the stupidity that's running this country. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to Triple eight seven eight eight ninety nine ten. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl! It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Democrats, right now in this hour, their allies in the media discussing the plan for the midterm. Nobody wants to campaign with Biden. So they're going to go back to Old Faithful. Uh, What is Old Faithful? Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. And if you don't believe me, listen to Donnie Deutsch on Morning Joe. It's clip 25. 
you take this heinous platform and you make the Republicans own it. I want to say it again. Make the Republicans own it. Every Republican politician, every Republican candidate, ask them about it. Make them because they, can, they, they can't run from it because it's, it's part of who they are at this point, as disgusting as that is. But make it the Republican replacement theory. Mainstream it because it, this is the way you have to scare. We, we don't have the economy on our side as Democrats. So you have to scare the bejesus out of people. The way to scare it is say, you know, this replacement theory, this is not just coming from some dark corner of the web. This is the Republican platform. Make them own it. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Yo, that sounds like a recorded phone call. Who in their right mind admits to that? Hey, we've failed people on the economy. So let's scare the hell out of them with this Republican replacement theory. Like flat out admitting that they're just going to try to gaslight the country over race. Yo, do you know how destructive that is? Do you know how damaging that is? And do you know who gets harmed the most when we do that? The black community. Yo, this is disgusting. Never mind that if we're going to talk about the Republican replacement theory, okay, the montages I played you yesterday that I'll play you again today don't have a single Republican on them. Here it is, clip 30. It seems harder and harder to ignore that the echoes of replacement theory and other racially motivated views are increasingly coming out into the open. In a few years, we're going to be a majority brown country. White people will not be the majority in the country anymore. This will be the first generation ever in American history uh, in which whites will be a minority of the generation at some point. As of 2007, every year, babies being born in this country, whites now are the minority. In 2044, uh, everyone is going to be a minority. As the demographics change, as white people become the minority in the country, which is coming. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny. Demographics is destiny, right? The country is changing. I've been saying it here. Other people have been saying it here for years now, even before Donald Trump. The demographics is destiny. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know who that last guy was? That was Morning Show, the host of the very show, the very show where you just heard Donnie Deutsch say, I'd make Republicans own this replacement theory. You know, the one you were talking about, host of the show, that demographics are destiny, and if we keep changing the electorate and the complexion of the electorate, it'll give us a better chance of winning elections. Yo, they were the ones saying it. Democrats are so full of crap. But when you call them on that, they're like, whoa, hey, this is white supremacy. This is gaslighting. But yo, I'm telling you because I care. I'm not in charge of how you vote. When I get off the air today, I don't go, God, I hope these people vote Republican. You know what I say? I go, God, I hope I can finally beat Lincoln in Madden because I'm so much better than him. Shut your mouth. Okay, but that's what I care about. Dad, I go home and play with my kid. I make some poor makeup girl work her ass off to make me look presentable on TV. In standard definition, I'm fine. But in high definition, I am no show pony. I'm not going to lie. But my needs, my wants, the things I want to do are very basic. I go home every day. I come to the door. I got a beagle named Bixby. He's a big beagle. You got to fight him to get into the house. That's how he says hello to me. So I got to fight him. He runs up the stairs, runs down the stairs. We have like a little play fight. And I pet his belly and he licks all the makeup off my fat face. And then I see Jenny and then Lincoln calls me a slob and he's going to beat me in madness, all kinds of. That's what I'm into. That's like, that's what my day's about. That's what my life's about. It's not about convincing you who to vote for. So speaking to you as someone who just you're going to go your way, my way. I'm going to go my way. The man is going to end. We're going to go in peace and love and serve the Lord, whatever you do. Okay. Understand these people are wantonly inflaming racial tensions and we are all okay. We are all less safe as a result. 
Okay, they're out there flat out. We're going to make them own this replacement theory. Let's scare people. Let's tell them Republicans are racist. Yo, that's them. That's not my words. That's not a, re- that's not a re- recorded phone call. That's them talking. Well, we don't have the economy on our side. So we got to get out there. And we've got to tear. We got to, the, the direct quote, we've got to scare the bejesus out of people. That's what they said. Okay, they're willing to scare the bejesus out of people. They're willing to lie. They're willing to try to pin. Let's not make it replacement theory. Let's make it this Republican replacement theory. Okay, Republican. Even though you just heard every one of them say demographics is destiny. If we change the demographics, we change our destiny at the polls. We're on the verge of having a white minority country, and it's a beautiful thing for us. They're flat out saying it. And then you're like, hey, you know that thing you said? And they're like, what kind of monster? Think of that's what we're dealing with, okay, is it's racist to espouse Democratic replacement theory or replacement theory as a whole, okay? But the Democrats only get upset when you're the one talking about it. That's just how white folks will do you. When in doubt, race it out. That's the Democrat strategy with the midterms quickly approaching. They're projecting to lose everything in na- imaginable. They're yelling racism, they're yelling MAGA king, anything, 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 but discussing their record. Chumbawamba had a better record than the Democratic Party. But Ch- Chumbawamba got knocked down, they got back up again. The Democrats just get knocked down and they just blame white supremacy because they have no answers. The economy's been knocked down. The border's been knocked down. The baby formula. Yo, can you imagine a world where a Republican president ran out of baby formula? Time magazine would have a picture of minority children on the cover, and they'd be like, the Republican war to starve infants of uh, minority infants because they're all racist, those Republicans. That's what they do. And it doesn't work anymore, and it's embarrassing because people know better. I don't doubt there's a black American listening right now that has had some terrible, unforgivable experiences with white people and with all people because racism comes in every, every shape or size. But this idea that it's accepted in our society is absurd. OK, the things the Republicans want to do, securing the southern border, do you understand? The record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths are not something that only affects white people. They affect everybody in the country. Okay, the border's the front door of the house. You want to know who's coming in and out of your front door, not because you're a racist, but because you're not a crazy person. But the people running the Democratic Party, okay, these are crazy people. You know, both parties, you always have fringe supporters. I have fringe fans that are crazy, but I don't put them in charge, okay? The Democrats took the craziest people they could find, and they were like, uh, I don't know. What if we let those guys run things? That can't be good. No, it's not good. Look around the country. Every time you tweet a criticism of Joe Biden, somebody will respond to me on Twitter like, Trump lost, get over it. I'm like, oh, yo, inflation's at a 40-year high. The border's been trampled. We're out of baby food. Okay, Trump didn't lose. America did. Correct the mundo. Joining us now on the show, guy who never loses. Uh, we're his guilty pleasure. You know the Garth Brooks song, I Have Friends in Low Places? We are Representative <laughs> Andy Biggs' friends in low places, and he returns to the show with the boots on. Hey, man, how you living? 
I'm, I'm living okay, Jimmy. How about yourself? You know what? I'm uh, I'm trying to hold this country together, but the duct tape is running out, man. We got oh. <laughs> wow. We've reached that little cardboard spool in the middle, and there's just a little, and that's starting to come apart. <laughs> it feels like you know when you're a little kid and you'd see how far you could stretch your gum. We're at that point. <laughs> we're at that point where you can't see the middle of the gum, but it's still barely intact, and it's not pretty. Uh, oh, and it, and it doesn't help that you and your Republican buddies are all a bunch of white supremacists, Biggs. I mean, come on, man. This is crazy. This is what we're well, down to. They're just going to call yeah. you white supremacists from here on in and just hope it works. Is that what we've been reduced to? Yes. So if if you agree with the Democrats' position on an issue. You're a white supremacist if you're a Republican. If you disagree, you are a domestic terrorist white supremacist, and so they add that on there. But, you know, how do you agree with these people? We had the, the lady yesterday in judiciary. This is fantastic. I thought I did good questions questioning. I think I – think, so Dan Bishop from North Carolina says, uh, uh, can you define a woman? And, and she says a woman's whatever. You know, you you are whatever you say you are. And he says, well, can a man then have a baby and have an abortion? She says, yes, of course, yes. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. <laughs> I mean, because we all know how many Saturdays you've killed, you know, to take your brother to get an abortion. You know, you got to drive. It's You want to be there for him in his hour of need. I mean, come on. It's so crazy. I was I, I just I just said to Harris Faulkner and, and she like flat out fell off her chair and I felt bad doing it to her. I said, but everybody has this conversation on the left that men can get pregnant. OK, OK. A week ago, abortion was a woman's rights to choose. Now we're back to men can get pregnant again. Fine. But my question is, if men are getting pregnant, OK, where is the baby coming out, Biggs? And I know that's a painful thing to think about. But if we had this question. Jimmy, that's ex- I was ta- we have a I was talking to a, a, a female member of the Republican conference today, and we were talking about this because she had just been dealing with it in some uh, education uh, committee, and and she was telling yeah you know, I was talking about the uterus and I said look where is the ba- how does the baby fit in there and how does the baby get out of a guy. <laughs> How does that work? I mean, dude, we have heard I have heard some horrible stories about passing kidney stones. I can't uh, imagine uh, uh, passing a baby stone. You know what I'm saying? This, oh, I know. Man, I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we, we've really walked off the curb into the gutter here now. But I mean, the point is, but it's true. It's ludicrous. Yes. It's ludicrous. We've reached the point of ludicrosity. Is that a word? <laughs> it's just so bad. It, it's, it's nuts. And, Andy Biggs is on the phone. Don't ever play him in Scrabble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that word is worth sixty points. <laughs> he completed a hell of a hell of a role there. Um, it is. They've gotten to this point, and you know, it's it's fascinating to me because I genuinely believe that some of them believe what they're saying. Like most self-respecting people, know a man can't get pregnant, and we know that. Okay, but there are people out there with a straight face that have been like shamed and guilted into thinking. That, you know, we were we were placating the patriarchy for too long or something and, and, and denying the pretend crowd their day in the sun. But like as a guy, I grew up in fifth grade. I told people I was the I was the center fielder for the New York Yankees. I was a Yankee fan. And I had a girl named Marie Galena who was my agent. And we walked around Abbey Lane Elementary School saying, oh, you know, this is Jimmy Fallon, center fielder for the Yankees. But here's the thing. Like, I never got to play center field for the Yankees because back then we didn't have to placate pretend. So did they just lose their minds? Like, what happened, Biggs? You know these people. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I, I, it's hard to explain. But I, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, "This is what happens when when a, a, a generation grows up where everybody gets a trophy, mm-hmm. no matter how good or poorly they play, act, do, perform. It doesn't matter. Everybody's the same, and thus, and thus, if everybody's the same, well, you know what? If I if I say I'm going to have a baby. By the way, that's an old Paul Inca song, right? Having my baby, what a beautiful way to say yeah, how much you love me. So, it's I named mean, that tune with Andy Biggs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, when you when you think about that, yeah. how how nutty that is, it's almost impossible. To now, I, I, I would say this, uh, as a God-fearing guy myself, I, I think when you start taking God out of the equation and you, and you start saying, well, you know, there's no afterlife, I, I will never be held accountable by anybody, and if we can just... Uh, get that in our society. You know, nobody's ever held accountable. No, no. Nobody wants to be held accountable. No, it's terrifying. And to build on your what you invoked earlier, the idea of my issue with everybody gets a trophy as a dad is uh, not every kid learns to catch a ground ball, and I have lost a lot of money betting Little League. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... You know, you think it's cute oh, that they all goodness. get an Instagram photo, but try paying my bookie on a Thursday morning because Lincoln Fela can't bend down to catch a ground ball because they've been giving him trophies since he was four. You know what I'm saying, Biggs? We need a meritocracy. I'll give you God, and I'll raise you a meritocracy. Absolutely with you on God, but meritocracy. Because the thing is with the yeah. Biden administration, they're checking a lot of boxes right now, and they're checking them in kind of reckless ways. Like Corinne Jean-Pierre is a White House press secretary. She doesn't know what she's uh, doing. She doesn't she, know what she's doing. Oh, my gosh. She, yeah, and, I, I mean, it's terrible. But it's the, terrible to watch. It hurts. It, it hurts to watch. It's I'm painful. It. But but the goal here is, again, if the goal is we need to have a black lesbian White House press secretary, if that's the implicit goal, okay, there are probably 10,000, maybe 10 million black fe- lesbian uh, women who could do this job better than her. But they're just getting a person instead of a talent. Like Kamala Harris as vice president is no different. We wanted to have a black woman on the ticket. Great. Go get a good one. You don't have to just get one. You know what I mean? We're treating them not like not even people when you talk about them that way. And you eliminate the meritocracy. It's more important to check the box than it is to do the gig. So do you think maybe the fringe benefit? I, this is a serious question. Is the fringe benefit maybe that the Biden presidency, as much as it is harming the country, will it kill identity politics from a standpoint of it won't be enough? to put people in charge anymore just because well well it will with half the country mm-hmm. and it won't with the other half because the the other half they'll say well look you know if if she can do it then i can do it and anybody can do it good grief and and <laughs> i and i check the boxes yeah uh and so uh, i mean i just think that the chasm is so deep and broad it's it's hard to think of how you overcome it you know yeah um and, and I and so the, the other side, the other side, and, and by the way, uh, everything is just astounding to me. Uh, you, you sit on the floor and you and you watch these these people, and they can't. They say we're going to do a five minute vote. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you know you know how long a five minute vote should take? I don't know, five minutes. <laughs> if they they everyone takes twenty to twenty five minutes because they cannot even get themselves from their office to the floor and vote in that five-minute period, even though they've been told that's going to be a five-minute vote. Can't do it. No can do. No, they're children. Um, And I bring up children because you know this is true. I don't know if you want to speak to it, but if there was a baby formula shortage under a Republican president, would there not be a Time magazine cover with minority children on it accusing Republicans of starving minority children right now? Oh, That's exactly right. And, 
And in the meantime, while they were doing that, a Republican administration would have already called in, and this is months ago, because they they would have known they were the ones that were closing the production facility, and that that would ultimately, I don't know, lead to a shortage. So they would have they would have found an alternative way around it. So you explain to me why we have a shortage in this country, but if you drive down across the border in Mexico. Um, you don't have a shortage. And I'm not talking about for the illegal um, uh, aliens that we have, by way, a warehouse full of this stuff down in, in the Donna facility. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about in Mexico. Yeah. You look at the pictures. Their, their grocery stores are filled with, with uh, formula. We don't have it because our FDA uh, um, spuriously shut down the, the biggest manufacturer. And, um, well, and so instead, you know what we did last night? Uh, is they voted on this thing. They said, we're going to give more power to the people who caused this, and they're going to be able to go out and basically corner the market on baby formula so that the people who get women, infant, and children benefits, that's half of the formula distributed, they will have all of it, and the rest of the country, in other words, the other half, they're not go- there's going to be a shortage for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insanity. And, you know, you think of the, you know, you think of the women that are expecting a baby right now. I mean, even, again, think of the men who are expecting a baby right now. Yeah. <laughs> this, this must be so traumatizing. I mean, I really feel for them. I mean, the one nice thing, the one caveat to all of this is, you know, we can bag on all of this craziness, but at least he's doing everything he can to get gas prices under control. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw it today. It's beautiful. Um, it turns out that uh, they turned down some of the leases based on a they, – they, they didn't get the math quite right. Mm-hmm. If they would have gotten the math right, they would have allowed some of the leases and the development of gas. Turns out the math was wrong. Got the decimal in the wrong place. Um, and, and you know why that is? is because nuts. whoever's doing the math got a trophy for math. <laughs> The math, a mathlete. We used to call them mathletes when I was a kid growing up. You were like it was a combination of math and athlete. And if you got like a certain a grade, you, yeah, you got called a mathlete. And you know what's oh funny? It's God. like I didn't, I didn't become interested in math and numbers till my grandmother, who had a qu- pretty substantial gambling problem, started teaching me odds at the racetrack. <laughs> and, and the crime of it is, this is what's so funny, is like if I, was, if I knew like in my 20s what I knew in my teens – I might have been a valedictorian in my high school based on how good I got at math when it came to finding creative ways to pay bookies and get the bills taken care of. Where's, uh, where's, where's little Jimmy going after church on Sunday? Well, Grandmama's working with him on math and statistics. It's, really, <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful. The, those, it's kids had, those kids were doing word problems. I had safety problems, okay? I was in trouble, man. I was in trouble. And, uh, but but, but I, I, you could almost advocate, like, you know, for we should maybe teach gambling in school like what we should teach okay jokes aside is we should be teaching financial literacy because i think one of the biggest challenges that we face right now it's the biggest challenge we face in washington i think is spending and the reason we can never be responsible with spending is i don't think the general public has a grasp of the magnitude of the debt we're in and how recklessly we're trying to air quote spend our way out of it like we're trying to drink ourselves sober essentially in saying that well the problem with the inflation is we're not printing enough money i mean isn't that the case? Jimmy, you have just given me the metaphor that I will use from here on out. Drinking, we want to drink ourselves sober. Oh, that's that's true. That's true. I'm telling you. And and 
this modern monetary theory, I actually had somebody sit there with a straight face, uh, a member of Congress the other day, telling me, yeah, you know what, you can just keep printing uh, money uh, and borrowing money at the federal government because you're the one who prints it, mm-hmm. and you won't have any effect. You know, you're probably not going to have an effect on interest rates. You're not going to have an effect on inflation. Not going not gonna to work. Well, well, how in the world did we get this massive amount of inflation? I don't know. The most in 45 years or so? How about that? It's because we devalue our currency. They don't get it. They nope. truly don't get it. Nope. Uh, listen, I, I would volunteer my grandma if she was alive. We're going to have to – some other corrupt grandma needs to step up fast. We need to get <laughs> – corrupt grandma 2024 is going to save this country, Biggs. You heard it here first. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. Listen, you have classed up our program yet again, and you have an opportunity to leave with your dignity intact. So take it. Uh, well, I do. I yeah, love I'm, I'm hurrying out of here yeah. then. <laughs> In the words of Steve the Steve Steve Miller Band. Take the money and run, Biggs. We'll do it again soon. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jim. You're the best, buddy. There he goes, the great Andy Biggs. There we go. Back after this. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I own damn fries. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There was a gal who used to work at the White House by the name of Jen Psaki. I'm sure you remember her. She was around a little while ago. She got tired of covering up for Biden, trying to translate his words into English. Essentially, the last Friday, Psaki announced, This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. But I bring her up because on Friday, she said that the Defense Production Act will not work for baby formula. Here it is, clip two. So the reason why it would have a longer-term impact is because the, the production of, manu- of a baby formula is so specialized and so specific that you can't just use the Defense Production Act to t- say to a company that produces something else, produce baby formula. It just doesn't work that way exactly. That is something that could be a consideration over the longer term. And certainly there are ways that the Defense Production Act has been used in other industries, right, as it relates to a chemical that is needed or a specific tool or part that is needed. Uh, so right now, of course, we're keeping that option under consideration. Okay. Why'd she do that, Jim? Allow me to translate. This is just the funniest thing in the world. So that's Saki at her last day at the White House telling you the Defense Production Act won't work for baby formula. Do you know what the White House did today? It invoked the Defense Production Act for baby formula. Here it is, clip one. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. I've directed the Department of Defense and the Department of Health and Human Services to send aircraft planes overseas to pick up infant formula that meets U.S. health and safety standards so we can get it on the store shelves faster. (laughs) This is ridiculous. So on Friday, the White House, nada, we can't invoke the Defense Production Act. That won't work. That won't help. On Monday, hey, we're invoking the Defense Production Act. Yo, they don't know what they're doing. Do you understand the level of contradiction we're discussing here? When you're leading 330 million people, you can't change the play this rapidly and expect to hold the confidence of the huddle. You're not Peyton Manning. When you get up to the line of scrimmage, you see the safety cheating up, so you yell, Omaha, 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 and you switch the audible. 
with 330 million people, they don't hear Omaha. And now you've just got a mess. And this is why Biden can't lead a winning drive. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. That's us. Numero uno in the coaches poll, the computer poll. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy. Fired up in this hour. Going to bring by one of my comedy buddies, Aaron Berg. He's a nationally touring comedian, as good as anybody in a club here in New York City. Uh, a guy who has been lobbying to defund the joke police his whole career. Aaron Berg's act contains jokes I wouldn't tell you if we were prison bunkmates celebrating our 30th anniversary together in the joint. Uh, when it comes to speech, uh, there is no one taking uh, the poetic license further than Aaron Berg. Now, we'll clean him up a little bit in this hour because it's terrestrial radio and you got millions of people listening around the world. Uh, this is, of course, the most popular children's show on the planet is Fox Across America. But the point is, he has been in on the joke that is censorship for a really long time, as have I. OK, you know, if you go see me live uh, doing stand up, I'm not out there like worried about who I'm going to offend, because in comedy, OK, the phrase bandied about a lot. Oh, you got to read the room. You hear that said a lot. It doesn't actually apply to comedy. You don't read the room. You lead the room. You lead the room. You're the only one with a microphone. These people paid to see you. You set the terms of engagement. Your job is not to get out there and see if it's okay with them. Your job is to get out there and do the damn thing. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Think of it like an airline pilot. He doesn't come on the PA. And read the room. Let's go, hey, if it's okay with you guys, uh, we're fifth in line. We're going to take off, go up to 37,000 feet. Hook no, no. He says, hey, got to get these jackasses out of the way so we can take off. And then I can read you the script that welcomes all 39 boarding classes onto the plane and thanks them for the business. And then we'll send the flight attendants by to sell you some overpriced drinks and yell at you for not wearing a mask. Okay, in this day and age, they don't have to yell at you. You don't actually have the mask thing for a few minutes, but they'll try to bring it back soon because their poll numbers are plummeting. And I can, t- I, yo, I feel it. You know the old Dean Martin song, I Feel a Song Coming On? I feel a song coming on. That old, that whole thing. I feel a variant coming on. We're, gonna, we're getting hit. We're like three weeks away. The economy's in the toilet. The disinformation board just got disbanded. We're out of baby formula. The border's being overrun. Nobody can afford a gallon of gas. OK, they're about to start taking away your rights again with covid and trying to convince you that they're actually protecting you. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. They've been doing that for a good long time. But right now, the leg peeing of the hour <laughs> is censorship. Why? Because Ricky Gervais, uh, he was on with Stephen Colbert. And if anybody's a Colbert fan, you want to go see Colbert. I can get you tickets. They are ten dollars to get in and a hundred to get out. Stephen Colbert is as funny as an orphanage on fire on Christmas Day. Okay, he's terrible. He has irreparably harmed late night comedy. But I can't bitch too much because at the same time, uh, I happen to be a key player on the number one late night comedy show in America. The show I'm on, Gutfeld, the show I did stand up on last night, Gutfeld, has better ratings than Stephen Colbert. Yo, we're winning. Okay, partly because we're pretty good at this, but mostly because those people – 
who had the monopoly on late night comedy, they lost the plot and they went from comedians to activists. They went from trying to distract you from the torments of the world to trying to weaponize the torments of the world in favor of one political party. It's not the escapism late night was supposed to be. Now you're going to just a, a late night Democratic kumbaya circle jerk for all intents and purposes. Can I say that on the air? Uh, the thing is, Ricky Gervais has never been that guy. To his credit, he's been a comedian first, comedian second, comedian third. He is not a, you know, a guy that's up there worried about hurting feelings because we are supposed to know the difference between a joke and a hate crime. I say this all the time. We focus so much more in this society on bad words than we do on bad deeds. And it really hurt comedy for a while because there were a lot of people out there like Colbert and Kimmel going, yeah, we should do that. We should censor our material. Times are changing. Okay. But again, as comedians, we set the rules of engagement. Times don't have to change in the comedy club because the comedy club is the last bastion of free speech. It's where you go to say things you'd never say at work for fear of getting fired. That's the point of a comedy club is it's a little risque. You're in a red light district for the First Amendment. Hey, girl. Okay, but we're not doing it that way. So here is Ricky Gervais answering uh, to Stephen Colbert about the possibility of joking about Hitler. I just want you to hear these clips. It's clip 35. I'm going to guess you've never taken like a two-year break no. while you're working on a single no. project. No. What does that do to a show? Like, did, did you have to change the jokes? Did it not feel right to you anymore? No, but it's always evolving. But, um, no, it wasn't like it was... There was a thought, I think, oh, will this be out of date? And then, I, then I realized that when you're dealing with, you know, famine, AIDS, cancer, Hitler, those dudes are evergreen. Yeah. So they're not going to... Mm -hmm. They don't date. Right. You know what I mean? There's no audience that isn't going to love that. <laughs> no... <laughs> <laughs> Boo, not Hitler. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Get over it. Get so there you go. And he's just saying you can joke about these things. But now he takes it a second further uh, to cement my point, which is that smart people, smart people know that we're not supposed to be treating jokes like hate crimes. Here it is, clip 36. They do feel good. And I try and, you know, the first the aim is to make them laugh. And they do laugh. But they know I deal with taboo subjects. But I, I deal with taboo subjects because... I want to take the audience to a place that hasn't been before. And there is, a, there is a tension. And I think people get offended when they mistake the subject of a joke with the actual target. And smart people know you can deal with anything, you know, particularly when they're dealing with, like, something like irony. In this new show, I actually explain irony at the beginning as a joke um, just to warn them, you know, and then they, they get it. OK, they get it. Do you understand? And what he's really trying to say, and this isn't like groundbreaking, he's not saying anything you haven't heard on this show or this network a thousand times, is speech is not the problem in this country, okay? There's so much emphasis being made in the aftermath of this Buffalo shooting about what right-wing commentators have said about replacement theory. I can play you an hour of Democrats actually pushing replacement theory. we got to change the demographics. Everything will be fine. I'll play you one here in a second. So if you didn't hear it earlier in the show, you know I'm just like making stuff up to make my case. I don't do that. I'm just a regular dude. Okay, but stick with me here. Treating jokes as hate crimes doesn't actually help the victims of hate crimes, but it's symbolic. It's slacktivism. It's a way for people to accrue currency and political capital without actually doing anything that's the hook here you know hey whoa i called for a comedian to get fired that means i care 
It's like halftime shows in the NFL, symbolic. Okay, so we're going to change the mascot of the Washington Redskins, okay? Because, you know, when people have the highest rate of diabetes and heart disease, the highest rate of illiteracy, and the shortest life expectancy, you know the way to help them is the halftime show. You know, you change the halftime show, everything's going to be fine, okay? It's absurd. It's symbolic. It does, no, doesn't do anything, okay? And comedians, we're never supposed to be taken seriously. Do you understand who we are? We're people who spend the first five years of our career getting paid in drink tickets, and then we go on the road and we spend basically we're, – we're only employed an hour a day, okay? You do comedy if you're a headliner 45 minutes a night, which means you spend the rest of the day watching dirty movies in a La Quinta. What the hell did you just say? Don't knock it till you try it. A little awkward, though, when you check out at the front desk. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, uh, accidentally ordered uh, Horny Housewives 2. Uh, I was trying to get the real housewives, and you know how that is. I thought it was an HGTV show. Next thing you know, we got all these horny housewives, and they're going at it. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But, I mean, again, everybody wants to talk about speech. They don't want to talk about deeds, okay? Deeds, okay? I understand that in the aftermath of the Buffalo shooting, you can feel so helpless, okay? You feel like you want to do something. Although, to be clear, most people in the Democratic side of town are just trying to score political capital by saying, hey, we need more of our gun control laws, even though the gun control laws in place should have stopped that shooting. The red flag laws should have prevented that guy from getting his guns after he threatened to school. But instead of focusing on the idiots that are shooting things up, we focus on the gun manufacturers. We focus on the political you know, opponents. We focus on their supporters as white supremacists. And that's why the problems don't actually get solved. I think he's got a point. And treating jokes as hate crimes is part of that because it's created an era of incentivized victimhood where we go out now and we claim offense as a form of currency. So they did at Disney. That's how they got Bob Chapek to read that humiliating letter where he had to pretend that Disney wasn't being a strong enough ally to the gay community because they didn't get the Florida bill canceled. Yo, the Florida bill does not in any way, shape, or form ban gay people. It doesn't even say gay in the bill. So if you're going to pick at the bill, at least show us how or why you can make this claim. Put up or shut up. But they can't, Ric Flair. They don't have the proof. That's the issue. It's gaslighting, and they're gaslighting for currency. They're not gaslighting for progress. Do you understand? I'm offended. Give me something. I want the board to give me a raise. I want a promotion. We want some holiday once a month that says you're looking out for us. That's where this comes from. Okay, where comedy got hurt was when it started to make its way out of the club and onto the Internet. Because comedy is consumed in a club where everybody's agreed on the principle that they're going to buy two drinks and not take any of this seriously. We don't have a lot of experience with people actually getting offended in the club. It's not as prevalent as you might think it is. People get offended online where they get a video. They've watched it out of context. They're not in a club. They haven't shaken hands with 300 strangers on the premise that we're just going to have a few laughs and not take any of this seriously. They're just sitting at home, staring at their phone in a neoclassical position, mowing down a box of wheat thins, going, you know, if I get angry at this, call for this guy to get fired, I'm going to get a bunch of likes from other people that are killing time on the toilet. And that's what incentivized outrage is. It's people. It's people who can't create content themselves. It's people who suck at comedy. It's people who suck at creativity. It's people with no self-reliance trying to tear down the people who actually believed in themselves, took a chance, went out and watched those dirty movies in the La Quinta so they could make a success of themselves someday. 
And it's the cancel crowd, the joke police, that are trying to tear those people down as a way of building themselves up. But the news flash here is there has been a societal sea change, and we are done with those people. They had a good run. You know, you had like uh, Super Mario Brothers. We had like super outrage brothers. You could go a long way getting offended in our society for the better part of the last five years. Okay, super outrage brothers was an arcade classic for like five years. But here's a newsflash, girlfriend. You are all out of quarters. Common sense from a not so sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Introducing the all-new Woke Disney World, the first theme park to dump identity politics on all its guests. Mom, can I hit the boys' room? Sorry, honey, it's the they's room. Let me explain this to you one more time. It's okay, Mickey. I'll handle it. All of our rides have been updated, so our Woke employees won't flip out on us. From Snow White and the Seven Genders... I don't understand. ...to it's a small reassignment surgery after all. That was the weirdest boat ride ever. Woke Disney World. We've transitioned to a new business model, but the goal remains the same. All right now, get out there and make me some damn money! Hi-ho, 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 get It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Woke Disney! Such a mess, man. There's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. Than right now. Okay, where we're living, and I say this on Tucker. If you see me on Tucker, I always work it in because it's like my, it's my hashtag. I say we're living in the death of shame. People don't know shame anymore. The exercise of projection that's going on post-Buffalo in Democrats saying, oh, well, it's this right racist Republican replacement theory. I played you this clip earlier. Donnie Deutsch was on with Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough. A show I would not watch, like I literally not watch it at gunpoint. But here is Donnie Deutsch, flat out saying we have to pin replacement theory to the Republicans and scare them. Clip twenty five. You take this heinous platform and you make the Republicans own it. I want to say it again: make the Republicans own it. Every Republican politician, every Republican candidate, ask them about it. Make them because they, can, they, they they can't run from it because it's it's part of who they are at this point. As disgusting as that is, but make it the Republican replacement theory mainstream it because it this is the way you have to scare we, we don't have the economy on our side as democrats so you have to scare the bejesus out of people the way to scare it is say you know this replacement theory this is not just coming from some dark corner of the web this is the republican platform make them own it's people with the dirty mind that think like that yo really think about that we flat out like that sounds like something you hear on a recorded phone call And the guy's like, hey, you didn't hear my entire words. It was taken out of context. I really didn't just admit on live TV that the economy sucks and we know we're screwed at the polls. So let's blame racism on Republicans and hope people will get scared and vote for us. He just admitted that. Okay, but the problem with pinning replacement theory on Republicans is that objective observers know that Democrats have been flat out discussing it right out in the open. Here it is. Clip 31. The white population is declining for the first time in history in America, while the number of multiracial Americans have more than doubled. So we live in a country where the demographics are changing. It's becoming less white. 
Correct. Okay. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics, because of the population growth. The growth in Texas has been almost entirely driven by non-white population growth, mostly by Hispanic and Latino population growth. The idea that, uh, you know, whites will, will not be the majority, I mean, that's... It's an exciting transformation of the country. It's an exciting evolution uh, and, you know, progress of our country in many different ways. The white population is declining. It, it was always on the upswing. So that speaks to the beautiful diversity of America. It speaks to um, uh, how the, that population, will, the demographics, will weigh in politically. I believe anybody who echoes a replacement is to blame, not for this particular crime, but it's, it's for no purpose, no purpose, except profit and or political benefit. And it's wrong. It's just simply wrong. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Yo, did you catch that, though, at the end, Biden? Yeah, you can't say this stuff. Oh, I don't know. Then go talk to Nancy Pelosi, the woman who spoke in the bit right before you. Go talk to Chuck Schumer. Go talk to Joe Scarborough. Go talk to Don Lemon over at CNN. CNN is the worst. I mean, really think about that. They're openly, oh, Texas is changing. We're changing the demographics. It's beautiful. It's glorious. And then somebody gets shot and they're like, oh, these Republicans. Are you kidding me? Talking about changing demographics. What does the late great, what does the late great Kevin Meany say? Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. I mean, do you believe these Republicans talking about the changing demographics? You know, the way we're talking about the changing demographics and every one of these bits Jimmy just played. Yo, we're living in the death of shame. Like pe- people don't feel shame now. We've created a society of sociopaths where your phone is so carefully curated to make you feel like a mini emperor. Everything in the world is there to your preference. You're just going to see the news stories you like. You're just going to see the comments you like, the jokes you like, the pictures you like, the food you like. It's all going to be there carefully curated to make you feel like the center of the universe. Okay? And because you feel so self-important, you have such a staggering sense of self-important, you don't realize that a lot of the things you're espousing make you sound like an insane person to anyone else, or at the very least, a sociopath who doesn't know shame. Aaron Berg, as good of a comic as there's ever been, he might feel some shame appearing with me publicly, uh, but he is going to do it when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America. The main man, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, fired up. i got a good buddy in studio. You know when Donnie Brasco, when I say, like, if he's a friend of mine, he's like a local knock-around guy, you treat him with respect. But if I say he's a friend of ours, you know, he's a made guy. You know, you have to treat him with respect. He's on the inside. You don't ever raise your hands to him. Uh, this next guest, a made guy, uh, one of the best comedians I know. Uh, he's also pregnant. Uh, here to join us now and explain that. Aaron Berg. Joe Rogan. Oh, wait. I thought it, I, thought I was totally hyped up. Would you look at the ratings? Big, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm, I'm ecstatic to be here. Is it? Thank a, you. Right. I didn't know that I was that made of a guy. You know, you're a made guy, Amber. We go back. We smoke cigars together. Yeah. We. I'm not allowed to anymore. Is that? Oh, that happened? Because you, you, yeah, you had a whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Had, uh, apparently, they're not good for you. <laughs> 
Don't you dare! <laughs> this is what I heard. I, I, I'm not working for Philip Morris or anything, but somebody <laughs> imparted me this wisdom that you're not supposed to put smoking things in your mouth all the time. Now, hold on a second, because and, and give me a minute before I get to Mikey and methamphetamines, because I have some questions on behalf of my producers based on what you just told me. Okay. But um, I was always told, speaking seriously, that cigars, because you're not inhaling them like cigarettes, were fine. Is that really not true? Let me tell you what happened. Okay. So my blood pressure was 200 over 140, or well, as your producer calls it, a good morning. <laughs> so I go to the hospital. They take me to the ER. They go, you can't, uh, you can't smoke anymore. And they said, but what's good for you is relations with your wife. Really? I then looked at my wife. She was throwing up in a wastebasket. And she <laughs> said, I guess Aaron's going to die. But this cardiologist goes, they're, they're not good. Don't do them because it thickens your blood. And that uh, messes up how it runs through your heart. However, upon getting a second opinion... We go to this other cardiologist, and I go, quit cigars, everything. He goes, you don't have to do that. I'm a smoker. Once in a while, you can. (laughs) And then my wife goes, I like the first guy that said he's going to (laughs) die. So that's it. But we we would hang out. We would have real New York nights. Yes. I think – we celebrated when you got this show. Uh, it was a thing. We, we went, went we out. smoked on the on the east side of Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, but I guess then we just need to invoke the guidance of your doctor. Uh, the second doctor. Yeah, Bill Cohiba. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> he seems very legit. He only speaks uh, broken Cuban English. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He's got a boro and a plow and a lot of tobacco. <laughs> he in wrote his... me a prescription for Lipitor and a box of hand rolls. <laughs> That's so true. But we hang out all the time, but I haven't seen you. You've been so busy apparently building this uh, Star Trek set that you have in here. Well, so these are all the toys that were in my bedroom like circa third grade. And I do concern myself that sometimes it looks like the inside of the van that promised you candy. Yeah. You know, because it does look like a little bit of a lore. (laughs) But you know where this like really blew up on me? This is funny. In a high profile interview for me, like Caitlyn Jenner was here sitting sitting right where you are. Yeah. And uh, she walked in and like actually had a visible, like a visceral reaction that I had to address. Yeah. She's like, I don't know about these toys. Yeah. I, I'm a little curious about you. I love the way that and she talks. She said that to me. She then, goes, Did uh, you pull out a Wheaties box and say, I don't know about this thing? <laughs> she was great and she was funny. She's talking about flying a plane, but she did. She walked in and she goes, Yeah. And she's like, I don't, I don't know about these toys. It's a little weird. And I go, Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's you know, weird. <laughs> Look, Jimmy, I think you're a little off putting with some of your choices. Uh, but she's great. Shout out to Caitlyn Jenner. She's a Fox News contributor. But Aaron Berg, uh, they need to know this about you. Uh, the show is called Berg's Base. It's on Gas Digital, everywhere yeah. you find podcasts. So tell me that this is true, because I don't know. I never know, you know, with comics, we mess with each other. But you're going on tour with Louis J. Gomez? Yeah. <laughs> I love, yo, you, I love, I, you know, he's a guy I never see, but he knows I love him. Every young comic's dream mm-hmm. is to uh, go on the road <laughs> with Louis J. Gomez. Here's why Louis is great. You don't know this. Uh-huh. I just became an American citizen on March the 18th. Is that true? That is very true. There you go, USA. So before I moved to New York, I was a Canadian. Mm -hmm. also known as a snow Mexican. (laughs) At that point in time, I had to get O-1 visas to come work in the United States. And part of me getting a visa was Lewis used to have a production company, Uh and there was a manager associated. That manager agreed to be my sponsor. Uh I moved down here. I started doing spots. And, of course, now I'm a millionaire, and I run several halal food carts in the (laughs) midtown area. But uh, Lewis has been like an integral part of me moving here. And I think he's hilarious, and I think he's uh, 
motivated. We're going to go all over real America. But but I, I love it because it's called the Offend Everyone Tour. Yeah, which is kind of a cheesy name. Yeah. Because you feel like you're going to spend 30 bucks and just be like, <laughs> we didn't laugh once. But it's, uh, we, you know, I, I think that there's a movement, and you know yep. too, you do very politically incorrect comedy. But I, I almost don't even think we have to term it that anymore. I just nope. think it's funny comedy. You want to know why? Again, because there there's been a sea change because people figured out who was on the outrage side. And they yeah. weren't even like... They weren't even genuinely offended. Most people get offended for currency. Yeah. Like saying you're mad at Dave Chappelle gets you a promotion at Netflix, or at least it did. Right. But I think they figured out who these people are. You yeah. know what I mean? The guy who gets offended long before there was an internet, you hated people who got offended. But that being said, you know it does happen on both sides. Like uh-huh. the, the right, mm-hmm. although they rally against cancel culture, yeah. they're the first to jump to it. If oh. someone they don't like, they're like, hey, he did this, he did oh. this, he did this. Yeah. Yeah, you're bringing up he's. Let's talk about Kathy Griffin for a minute. Okay. No, nice Kathy- guy. Kathy Griffin. Well, Kathy Griffin. Heck of a forearm. I remember seeing that forearm pump when she was holding that Trump head up, and I'm like, wow, well, she works out. Well, I was always arguing about that. Like, for real, when Kathy Griffin took that picture where she's holding up, you know, the, the I feel like they should have blurred out the plastic head, uh, but they did show her head, and, yeah. and I, I thought they should have blurred it out. <laughs> Aaron do, do, are you saying that if you were single and trying to make it in this business, Kathy Griffin would not be your go-to woman? <laughs> To, to hit on the casting couch because there are not. I'll tell you who I would have. Mm-hmm. I would have tried to court. Would have been Joan Rivers. Oh, she was great. I think she was such a sultry lady. And yeah. I met her at LaGuardia one mm-hmm. day, and we're going in. She had her own security line. And I walked mm-hmm. up. I go, I'm a comic too. And she goes, Where are you going? And I go, Toronto. She goes, Me too. Where are you playing? And I go, Yuck, yuck. She goes, Better than me. I'm playing the QVC network, trying to sell handbags. You're doing good. <laughs> She was an angel. She was a gorgeous and didn't care about anything. Oh. That was a woman comic. Yeah, like an actress. She was a comic. Yeah, That's a what she, real, she, real comic. Yeah, she was just a comic. Aaron Berg is in studio, if you're just joining us. You could see him out in my hood. He's at Governor's in Levittown, Strong Island, June 17th and 18th. That's a hot one. Yeah. Uh, Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie, June 4th. Oh, the names hey, keep girl. coming. I yeah. know the comedy names. Now, you're within your rights to call it the Offend Everyone Tour now that I realize. Yeah, now, now you realize where I'm going. But this is something I, I, I wanted to get your, your take on is I don't actually think, I don't actually think offense was as much of a thing in the clubs as people who don't do comedy think it was. I think most of the offense is online. It's consumed by the people who aren't even there. For sure. Is that what you would think, too? In a weird way, didn't going digital, going social media kind of hurt comedy in that regard? I think so. I think it increased numbers, but I think blowback is way up. When you're in the clubs, me and you go Mm -hmm. to the same clubs— we're way off the rails. Yeah. No one's offended at all. Nobody. doesn't matter who's in the audience, creed, color, race. Everyone's laughing yep. when, when you're really good at what you do and mm-hmm. you're hitting those things. But I think the internet, it, it's just everybody has an opinion and most of those opinions are pretty stupid. And, and I'm not saying people in comedy clubs are smart. They're pretty stupid too. <laughs> we're pretty stupid for doing what we do, but we're good at being stupid. <laughs> I always say that. Uh, I'm like, we're, we're committing to a profession that pays in drink tickets for the first five years. And it's also like, I talked to a woman last night. Uh-huh. This is a weird aside, so feel, feel free to stop me. She's a showrunner. She was told she couldn't work on the show because she was a white woman. They had to go with somebody else. And then she's like, that's basically illegal to do that. But she also said, I accept it. We're in this crazy business. She's like, if I don't like it, I'll go get a day job. Like, we're very blessed to be able to do this thing, Uh you know? Some people don't think real world 
laws apply to show business. Yeah. And they're probably right. Well, they are right because what, one of the things we were, we were talking about on Gutfeld's show was potentially pulling like an expose where as a white guy you're, you're applying for writing jobs yeah. on late night shows and you are writing the pants off of everybody currently on the staff, yeah. but there's no chance of you getting hired. Yeah. The reason we came up with this is a funny story. A girl that I know who used to work here, it's a real sweet girl. She had never seen comedy. She had never done comedy. But you know those people who come to you and say, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm applying for a show. Yeah. And uh, Megan Kelly. <laughs> stick with <laughs> So... Uh, this particular gal uh, that I used to work with back in the day, uh, with no experience doing comedy, uh, the only connection she had to comedy was Lou Dobbs. She's yeah. like, well, meaning that she, the only connection she had to the business was like, I work for Lou Dobbs. She applied to John Stewart's show, yeah, saying, hey, I know Lou Dobbs. John Stewart was like, what? <laughs> like, like, thought he was being hazed. It was like a ritual or yeah. something like that. She got rejected out of hand, but then The Daily Show reached out and hired her because they literally emailed her. It's like, hey, we saw we, you applied to this. We need an Asian girl on our staff. Wow. And just got the gig. Oh, man. And, like, I'm so happy for her and that it's a great gig, but that's why The Daily Show sucks. Uh, well, there's numerous reasons why The Daily <laughs> Show sucks. And it's so weird because The Daily Show has several amazing comics yeah. on it. Roy Wood Jr. Oh, is fantastic. phenomenal. World Michael class. Costa mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Ronnie Chang, really funny yeah. guy. But somehow there's just a disconnect, and I think it's because of the identity politics that they try to push. I don't even know if that Trevor Noah we see is real Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. It's I, weird. I don't know. Yeah. Man, I bet he, I bet he voted for Trump. <laughs> well, I will say this. At the, I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and uh, I waited the hell out of those tables. Let's just let's start Did there. you really get to go? Yeah, I did. It was amazing. You know that's my dream. I would love to go Is that and true? roast those people. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought would after be Michelle Wolf, they yeah. would be like, okay, we got to go a totally different way. Yep. Let's get this quote-unquote edgelord in here to just <laughs> rip Biden a new one. Nope. No, they they because the Correspondents Association, it's so, you know, you hear people say like, oh, the media lives in a bubble and they don't talk to anybody outside the media. Yeah, they actually and I mean this, they're they're, They believe that the last four years have been good for the media. Like they were giving out awards at the Correspondents Dinner to people who covered uh, the Russia probe. Yeah. Like the Russia probe was an utter humiliation yeah. to the media. Yeah. You know, it didn't end with what you said was it wasn't there. But they're still in that bubble of thinking like people revere us and respect us and they don't hold any of this against us because we're just trying to save the world. There's an incredible mishandling of everything mm-hmm. newsworthy on that side, wh- yeah. whether it be COVID, whether it be the Ukraine, whether it be yeah. Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, that's- it, it's a, a negligent job at best. Yes. That's what they've been doing. But they're applauding themselves. They're dumping the Gatorade on themselves after a football game they didn't win. Because and that's the cause is higher than the job. Yes, that's that's what they believe. So that's how Trevor Noah gets that gig. They thought what Michelle Wolf did was good, and it wasn't even comedy. She was just calling Sarah Huckabee names. Yeah, it wasn't even like she came in with like crafted jokes. But I also think that that's part of that gig uh-huh. is you're supposed to ruffle. I mean, Rickles used to do it yeah. so well. Mm-hmm. Rickles was a, a king, but he had jokes. Yeah, he did. this was just like you're ugly. My, I mean, yeah. in my defense, that's half of my act now. I just walk <laughs> up on stage and say that to people. Look but, at this fatso. <laughs> Anything else? No, you're fat, sir. Aaron Berg is kind of a comedy dominatrix, if you're just joining us. That's exactly what I do. I come in with the clamps, it. I put them on, and then I turn the voltage up a little bit. You know, you know how I... Dice used to smoke the cigarette? You put it out on yeah. somebody. <laughs> it's hilarious. He, he walks one lucky audience member on a dog leash out of the club at oh, the end of the show. Oh, I burnt your skin. Goo-goo. <laughs> Did you ever see? 
Uh, Gilbert Godfrey doing dice. It was really wonderful. Not in the past couple months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well done. Gil- Gilbert was phenomenal. Gilbert uh, was so good. We lost we lost some good ones yeah. this year. And people don't but people don't realize how dark he was. Like people who knew the persona from yeah. movies don't know that when you went to the club, it was horrific. But it was great. Totally different person off stage. I was, I was in Toronto at Yuck Yucks. I got to open for him. When I was good, I'd ask to open for these really yeah. good guys, and they'd let you. And after, I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and party with Gilbert. And I was like, me, you, strip club down the street. He looked at me, flossing his teeth, and said, <laughs> I'm getting pie and going to bed. And that was all he And I was like, this is totally different thing. You hang yeah. out with Stanhope. You know, your nose is going to hurt for six weeks afterwards. <laughs> no, maybe some other orifices as well. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's a long season. Nobody goes undefeated. Uh, it's funny that you bring, you bring him up. So... Uh, talking about Gilbert specifically, and Aaron Berg is in the studio if you're just joining us. Circling back to the whole Joan Rivers thing. Guy who used to write for Joan Rivers, Larry Amaros. He, uh, he had a big run in comedy. He had a young comedian special with Rodney D. Yeah. Uh, he wound up being the head writer for the Arsenio Hall show mm-hmm. uh, for a while there. He got into a little bit of trouble. He used to talk about on Howard Stern where uh, Larry uh, was was given to – he was, it was uh, you know – I guess back in the day we would say he was like a he was hitting he was hitting for the other team he was gay, he was a gay comic that's okay what say in the eighties and um, whatever the euphemism now you know we're just normal to say it. yeah that's thank what you. they call it okay so Larry uh, ran a sketch on the Arsenio Hall show where they were bringing in uh, men. And telling them he needed to survey their butts for a sketch. Yeah. And it wound up getting in trouble being like an HR thing. And I knew Larry without knowing that story. I heard him telling it on Stern one day, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. But anyway, one of this Larry's stories to stay on message is that back in the day, Gilbert Godfrey had Catch a Rising Star. If you were the house MC, yeah. they didn't have like an 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock show. They just had a show. Right. So it started at like 7, and when there was nobody left in the club, you got to go home. Right. But the pay didn't change, you understand. Okay. Spot pay is like $25. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what they would call it back then was cab fare. We say spot pay. They say cab fare. He said Gilbert was so cheap that when he lived on Houston, he would walk up to 78th Street to save the cab fare. Yeah. But he said when he was in a pickle as a host who really just wanted to go get some blow and sleep with a guy in the audience, he would offer Gilbert double cab fare. And he said he could walk the room in less than two minutes. It used to be a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Kinison used to be yes! really good at it. Yes. There's a story about Mark Breslin, who's a Canadian club owner. And mm-hmm. if you haven't, if you haven't worked his clubs, you should, because he's a big, staunch defender of freedom of speech. Oh, there you Believes go. comics should get away with anything oh, because it's jokes. And Kinison came the first night was a Thursday. This is before he broke out, and he walked about half of them. And he went up to Mark Breslin and he goes, "I, I feel awful. I, I get it. You want? I get it. If you want to fire me." And uh, he goes, no, hang on. Pulled out a grand, gave it to him, said, you walk the whole room tomorrow. I'll give you double that. (laughs) And just would love watching people walk out of rooms. (laughs) As a club owner, you don't get that anymore. Like you and I, I think we've worked the Borgata before. Uh And I did the Borgata when when it first opened the first night Uh and Chris was there. And I went, and I came off, and I go, you want to fire me? And he goes, reel it in a little bit for tomorrow. <laughs> so I did. He was there the next uh, night. I reeled it in a little uh, bit, and he goes, "That that's perfect. And then they left, and then I went back to what I do. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it's amazing what people get offended by yeah. now, and it's amazing what people don't get offended by. Yes. It's wonderful to see old people laughing at horrific sex jokes. Horrific. Horrific. Yeah. Because they've lived it. They did this stuff in Nam. <laughs> Aaron Berg, uh, closing here with a commercial for 23andMe. 
They did this stuff in Nam. <laughs> Get your answers now. With do you Aaron believe Burns. that Agent Orange had something to do with your rice patty dysfunction? Oh man, the it's called the Offend Everyone tour. I can't imagine why, uh, but I love talking. You will always have this. Let's You're amazing it. at what oh, you do, and buddy. it's such a pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to get emotional. All right, quick break. We're back after this. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Yo, how about my gal Aaron Berg? Fantastic hang. And I'm not, believe me, he doesn't need the compliment. Career comedian, you're so dead on the inside. This is a guy, you know, masturbating to plane crashes. I mean, you're in a dark place if you've been doing comedy for 20 years. <laughs> it's a it's a chippy day on the show. But one reminder I would give you is before tomorrow's show, Jim Jim Jordan batting leadoff on tomorrow's show. You'll, you're going to hear from Lincoln Fela as well. But uh, I will be in America's Newsroom tomorrow for the second time this week with the great Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. And then I will be hosting. I will be uh, the center chair on Outnumbered tomorrow from noon to 1 uh, and simultaneously doing this show as well. That's the kind of simulcast superpower we have here at the Fox News headquarters. Uh, and it's going to be a bang-up day. If you missed me on Tucker last night, please go to the Fox Cross America Facebook page and check it out. Uh, I'm going to post my stand-up set from Gutfeld there as well, so give that a go. And uh, the Harris Faulkner hit today with those phenomenal leopard print kicks that I wore for the wide shot. I mean, those shoes were dope. <laughs> oh, this is an awful crowd. The point is, the show's over. You got to go. Uh, but, you know, we'll always have this. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow at noon with Jim Jordan. Check me out on the TV. Until then, you can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.